<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Double zone, extremely deep in left, Fowler deep in center, Hayward not quite as deep in right. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time, and the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over, and the celebration begins. It's never felt better to fly the W. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now! Or should I say, hey hey! My name is Jay Scott Smith, and you're listening to episode 22 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. How the hell is everybody doing? How did you how'd you get through the day <laughs> on Thursday? Good lord. Once again, welcome to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and I want to thank everybody who has been supporting the show top to bottom. As you heard in the promo, be sure to get on Patreon and show your love for this show. You want to follow me on Twitter? I am officially verified, so look for that blue check mark. That's at J Scott Smith. I'm on Instagram at J Scott Smith. I'm on Snapchat at, you guessed it, J Scott Smith. So what the hell are we talking about on this week's show? You already know what we're talking about on this week's show. For the first time in 108 years, the Chicago Cubs, yes, the Chicago freaking Cubs have won 
the World Series. So obviously, gonna be talking about that from a couple of different angles. First and foremost, though, gotta show love to the new champs, the Cubs. Wow. I've seen some incredible baseball games in my lifetime, and I've mentioned on this show on numerous occasions that I'm a lifelong baseball fan. Baseball comes first. Always has, always will. For me, it was always baseball, then basketball, then football. Apparently, I was a bit of a weirdo because I like baseball first. Well, what you saw on Wednesday night, bleeding over into Thursday morning, is why I love baseball. Games like that, the energy that comes off of a seventh game in the World Series. One would argue the only postseason game that has more drama in it would be Game 7 of, say, the Stanley Cup Finals. Because everything hinges on one wrong move, one wrong play. In this case on Wednesday night, it was one wrong move, one bad pitch, one bad decision could change your fortunes, and then you ratchet it up by putting the two teams with effectively the two longest droughts, championship droughts, I should say, in the sport. You put those together, and you get one gigantic ball of tension that was just unreal. Yes, I'm from Detroit, so clearly, for two different reasons, the the horse I had in this race was for damn sure not in Northeast Ohio. But we'll get to them second half of this show. The Chicago Cubs, to me, yes, I know they're in the third largest media market. And yes, I know they're in the higher end of the third largest media market. And yes, I know that for so many of those 108 years, this franchise wasn't even friggin' competitive. They had stretches. Okay, let's let's remember. Even after they won the 1908 World Series, they ended up making, they made nine other appearances in the World Series after that. It wasn't like they won that World Series and then this was the first time they were back. They made it to the World Series nine more times. Came up totally short. Prior to this year, their last appearance in the World Series was in 1945 when hmm, certain franchise in the Motor City was the one that knocked them off. Actually, certain franchise in the Motor City knocked them off twice. But that's for neither here nor there. And they also won in 1935. But the thing is, the Cubs were actually a really good franchise to that point. And then they fell off the table from 1945 all the way to basically 1969. They hadn't even as much as really gotten a sniff of a National League pennant. And then 1969 gets there and they have the misfortune of running into the Miracle Mets and the Black Cat. And all the stuff of the curses really started to take hold about that point. They go through the 70s, basically meaningless. We get into the 1980s and 1984 shows up. They go on a magical run of their own. They win the division. They get to the playoffs. They win the first two games of the then best of five National League Championship Series. And unlike today, the National League Championship Series, which is best of five, had this very odd quirk to it. The team with home field played the first two games on the road, then got the next three games at their place. If that sounds a little backwards, it's because it is. If you remember a couple years back, a few years back, because Major League Baseball decided to expand the wild card basically on the fly, they flipped up the ALDS in that situation and the NLDS in that situation. And of all things, the Detroit Tigers ended up benefiting from that because they played the first two games of their series against Oakland at Comerica Park 
as opposed to playing those first two games in Oakland. Tigers ended up winning the series largely because they got the first two games at home and had a big old safety net when they went out to the Bay. Well, Cubs won the first two games of that NLCS and then went out to San Diego for three games and lost all three. Just imagine that. And I mean, the most brutal part of it was the last two losses were just, just grotesque. I mean, Leon Durham is a name that strikes, it strikes a chord with a lot of Cub fans. Cubs, amazingly, would have ended up facing, you know who, the same team that had beaten them in 1935 and 1945 had they somehow made it in 1984. Cubs make the playoffs again in 1989. They get knocked off by the Giants. And then that's it for them. You don't see the Cubs again in the postseason until 1998. They get there in 1998. Lose. Then came 2003. We all know what happened in 2003. It was the Cubs who blew what was a 3-2 series lead coming back from Miami against the then Florida Marlins. They were leading 3-1 in the seventh. And then Bartman happened. And the whole damn thing was foobar from that point. Cubs lost game six, lost game seven, and to further compound the indignity, it was the Marlins featuring a very young and much thinner Miguel Cabrera winning the World Series that year against the New York Yankees. Cub fans have been through a lot. I can relate to Cub fans' struggle, despite the fact that, yes, I know, they're in the third largest media market. And yes, I know, they are on the high end of the third largest media market. Yes, I get all that. I feel for the Cubs... And I kind of felt a bit of a kinship with the Chicago Cubs because the Chicago Cubs, in a lot of ways, reminded me of the Detroit Lions. Now, hear me out. Both the Cubs and the Lions, for years and years and years and years and years, had inept, moronic, confused, flat-out terrible ownership. And terrible ownership and terrible ownership made terrible decisions, such as in who they hired for general manager, who they hired as manager, and who those people brought in as players. They went through indignities of years and years and years of losing and last place finishes. They have dedicated, loving, at times delusional, fan bases. The difference between the two is, a few years ago, the Cubs were bought by the Ricketts family, not exactly the most upstanding people, but that's another conversation for another time. They were bought from the Tribune Company by the Ricketts family, and the Ricketts immediately went out and got themselves two people, Theo Epstein and Joe Madden. Theo Epstein is a friggin' monster. He's an absolute animal. Theo Epstein is the man. They brought him in, and he made it clear it's going to suck for a couple years, but once we get this thing together, we're going to win. Epstein had the same approach with the Boston Red Sox, who coincidentally were working on a pretty lengthy run of not winning World Series themselves. Epstein then turned around and brought in Joe Madden, the guy I wanted the Tigers to make a move for a couple of years ago when Jim Leland retired. Madden came in, joined a team that was coming off a 73-win season, a team that was two seasons removed, from a 101 loss season in 2012, he took over a team that won 73 games in 2014. They won 24 more games, 97 wins. It, it was like everything just went kaboom, and they took off. They get to the National League Championship Series last year where they were shockingly swept by the New York Mets, but you could see something there. And for the first time, really, probably since the early part of the 20th century, the Cubs actually weren't just out there being the quote-unquote lovable losers. They were out there trying to win. None of this BS like, oh, we have one good season, let's rest on our laurels and not pay any players, and let's just keep the band together and not make any improvements. No, 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 no. The Cubs smelled blood in the water after losing. 
the NL pennant last year. They did. Not often do you hear of a team winning 97 games, improving the following season. The Cubs won 103 games this year. And if not for that wonky, dumbass All-Star Game rule where the winner of the All-Star Game gets home field advantage in the World Series, that scene you saw on Wednesday night into Thursday morning would have been taking place in Wrigley Field instead of at Jacobs Field, excuse me, Progressive Field, in Cleveland. The Cubs, say what you will. Did that franchise spend a lot of time resting on its laurels? Sure. Did it spend a lot of time resting on the fact that they have some of the most rabid, loyal fans on the planet? Yes. Could things have changed if those fans made a little bit more noise over time? Maybe. Who knows? Detroit Lion fans, at least the smart ones, have been making noise about that franchise for 40 years. And as I laid out on a previous episode, the Ford family pretty much comes out and tells the Lion fans to sit and spin. We know what we're doing, despite the fact that the Lions have won one playoff game since Jim Crow. That was 25 years ago, something that they strangely just celebrated. But the thing about the Cubs and why I get behind them, had the Tigers been in the World Series, clearly you know I'd probably be in a much different mood because I'm always going to be number one for them. But I respected the Cubs this year especially because they finally got the, it's like you could tell that franchise from top to bottom got the memo. You've got a fan base that's effing rabid, that's wanted a champion for more than a century, 108 years. Historically black fraternities and sororities, better known as the D9, Alpha Phi Alpha, Alpha Kappa Alpha, Omega Psi Phi, Delta Sigma Theta, Phi Beta Sigma, Go Mob, Zeta Phi Beta, what up Sororis, Sigma Gamma Rho, Kappa Alpha Psi, and Iota Phi Theta. All those organizations, they make up the Divine Nine. When the Cubs last won the World Series, it was the Divine Two. The AKAs and Alpha Phi Alpha were the only ones there. Mark Twain was still alive. Teddy Roosevelt was president. William Howard Taft was on his way in. He won the 1908 presidential election. Ford Motor Company. Ha ha ha. Ford. The Ford Motor Company was introducing the Model T. Bruh. The Cubs, even when you look at 1945, it had been so long since the Cubs had been in the World Series that they were the only Major League franchise to have not been in a World Series since the league officially integrated in 1947. So when Dexter Fowler stepped to the plate in Game 1 in Cleveland, it was the first time a Chicago Cub black player had come to bat in a World Series. This franchise, it took forever for them to get the memo, but they got it. I've been to Cubs games. I've been in Wrigleyville. I've been to Wrigley Field. It's like a college football atmosphere. That environment around Wrigley Field is what I always imagined what it would be like had Tiger Stadium still been around in Detroit. I congratulate the Chicago Cubs. I congratulate the people in the city of Chicago who really have rooted for that team and stood with that team through all the bullshit, all the years of losing, all the curses, all the heartbreak, all the last place finishes, all the embarrassments. I respect that because as a Detroit Lion fan, that has been my life. Next year will be 60 years since they last won a championship. 60. Now go ahead and tack on 48 more years to that. And that's what you had out of Cub fans. That's insane. Last night was for y'all. I'll close this segment out with this. I went to a Cubs-White Sox game at Wrigley Field in 2011. That was in the midst of a year when the Cubs ended up going 71-91. and You would have thought that that team was in a playoff race. The energy and the vibe in the building, and yes, part of it had to do with it being the White Sox, but the energy and the vibe in that stadium 
is nearly unmatched. I would put Fenway right in that discussion as maybe the only other place that has that kind of energy in Major League Baseball. The Cub fans deserve this. They do. They earned it. They've suffered so long. And all those touching videos you see of there's a gentleman who was in North Carolina who drove up to Indiana and sat at his dad's gravesite and, and listened to the game. And there's this wall outside of Wrigley where for years people have been writing the names of Cub fans who passed away where all they wanted was this. There's a video of an 81-year-old gentleman almost in tears when he saw the final out. And then, of course, there's Bill Murray, Bill Daffy Duck Murray, who was kicking it in the clubhouse, but he was beside himself when they won. I've said over and over again, if the Lions ever got to a Super Bowl, that would be the only time I would ever shed tears over a sporting event. I understand where that energy comes from. I understand where that emotion comes from, and I respect it. I do. Big up to the Chicago Cubs. 108 years dead and gone. Big up to the Chicago Cubs. But if you think I'm only doing this episode and it's going to be all good vibes toward the Cubs, you don't know me very well. Because Cleveland, coming up after this break, you know, you know, I'm coming for your ass. My name is J. Scott Smith. And you're listening to the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. Hello, I'm Aziz Ansari. I'm here because apparently there's someone that's on the fence about voting and they're going to see me telling them to vote and then they're going to be like, okay, I guess I'll vote. What, what the f*** do you need? How many celebrities have made these stupid videos. Robert Downey Jr. made one. DiCaprio made one. Jennifer Lawrence is in one. These people are way more famous than me. Why do you need me? Well, Aziz, some of the millennials are really responding to you. If you can make a video, really, it's going to make a difference. There's a guy running that says he hates brown people. Why? That's not enough? He doesn't believe in climate change. That's how dumb you have to be to not believe in climate change at this point? Seriously, this is going to make the difference. It's my lunch break right now. Go vote, please. There's too much at stake to sit on the sidelines during this election. Register to vote at nextgenclimate.org vote and then get out there to the polls on November 8th. This is JSC Radio. Two down, 10th inning, 8-7 to seven Cubs. The set by Montgomery, the pitch. 
Swung on a little dribbler toward third charge by Bryant. Gloves throws to first. The Cubs have won the World Series for the first time since 1908. And a mobbing of Cubs players beyond the pitcher's mound. Michael Martinez with that slow dribbler to third. And Bryant made the play at first to end the ball game. What an incredible World Series. And in 10 innings, the Indians have fallen to the Chicago Cubs by a final score of 8-7. to Inarguably, one of the most riveting and entertaining World Series in baseball history. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back to the People's Podcast. And on this World Series wrap-up style edition of the show. Once again, be sure to support the show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash JSC Radio. And to get at me on Twitter, where I am now verified, by the way, checked out that blue check mark at J. Scott Smith. Also on Snapchat at J. Scott Smith and on Instagram at J. Scott Smith. I'm on Vine, but apparently Twitter doesn't believe in the fun anymore, so they're getting rid of Vine. Guess what? Even on Vine, I'm verified at J. Scott Smith. The first half of this show was dedicated to showing rightful love to the world champions, the Chicago Cubs. I'm all about to the victor goes the spoils. I've said that over and over again. If you win, you get every bit the love that you deserve. You get every bit the love that is set up for you. So I'm not going to sit here and just automatically start going on and on about other things. But... Now that we've gotten through the Chicago end of it, it's time to talk about the other half. The team that was on the field taking that big old L. And welcome back to the spotlight. Welcome back to the Summer Jam screen, the city of Cleveland. Now anybody who knows me and anybody who's listened to this show before knows I don't have the greatest affinity for the mistake by the lake. I don't especially care for the cesspool in Northeast Ohio. I've made that very clear. I've made that clear to anybody who knows me. So watching the Cleveland Indians, they of their winning the AL Central and getting into the playoffs, being able to get through Boston and essentially sweep Toronto. Toronto barely showed up in the ALCS. For them to get to that World Series feeling that they, and not the Cubs, should be the feel-good story. That they, and not the Cubs, have been long-suffering and struggling. Well, for those of you who've paid attention to anything on the internets for the better part of the last, say, five, six months, a typical trope and theme has been running along here. Now, Cleveland, earlier this year, as you may remember, I did an entire episode on this, the Cavaliers won the NBA title. They broke Cleveland's 50-plus year streak of no team winning a championship when they defeated the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA Finals and the NBA title. If you may not have heard, the Golden State Warriors had a 3-1 lead in that series before Draymond Green took one too many cheap shots, got himself suspended for Game 5, and flipped the entire momentum of that series on its ear. I'm sure you've heard that the Cavaliers came from 3-1 down because the Cavaliers haven't shut up about it ever since. 
And neither has anybody in the city of Cleveland. Now, to understand the people of Cleveland, you have to understand that that's the worst city on the planet. And those people are perpetual losers, and they're used to losing. They did it for 54 years. They did it very well. For them to finally get a sniff of prosperity after this entire trumped-up media campaign to make everybody feel sorry for that sorry-ass cesspool of a city, when they actually, I mean, you, I'm sure we've seen the 30 for 30, the Believe Land thing that was done on Cleveland, and then it was updated to include the Cavaliers winning the NBA title. Back when they won it in June, I was able to separate my disdain for the city of Cleveland from the mere insanity and just total savagery of LeBron James. How he almost single-handedly took that series by the nuts and dragged the Cavaliers to that NBA title. He earned it. And I ain't going to sit here and say the man didn't. He earned it. He absolutely earned it. But here's the thing. Ever since they won it, people have finally gotten to see what those of us who were in the state of Michigan and in the state of Ohio and in the state of Indiana and in the state of Pennsylvania and in the state of Illinois have been exposed to from Cleveland all these years. They somehow went from being this loving, cool, touching, feel-good type of story they somehow managed to become the insufferable pigs that we've all known they are. Everywhere you look, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. The Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. Hey, did you hear? The Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. The Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. The Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. And it's not just their idiot fans. It's not just, and we've seen how awesome some of them are. And yes, I know a few people from Cleveland. You want to know what's funny? The people I know from Cleveland feel the same way I do about a lot of Cleveland fans. So I'm not speaking out of turn when I say this. And we've seen that from Cleveland. But these aren't just the fans. It was the friggin' Cavaliers who were also out here with the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead nonsense. I'm sure some of you have seen the picture of the Cavaliers World Championship rings. On the bottom of the World Championship ring is a little slot where there are seven jewels. The first two are white diamonds. The third is a ruby. The fourth is a diamond. The fifth, sixth, and seventh are rubies. And if you're wondering why that seems a little odd, let me go back through that order again. The first two are white diamonds. The third, a ruby. The fourth, a white diamond. The fifth, sixth, and seventh are rubies. These dudes were trolling the Warriors on their championship rings. I think I can come out and just say and by the way it's not just the Cavs hell the tribe the Indians they were a bunch of insufferable d-bags when they wanted to be yelling and screaming at reporters about how you don't support them and how dare you write us off and don't even cover us and they act like a bunch of petulant kids and then of course you pile on top of that entire Sunday the fact that the Indians are running around with the single most racist logo in American sports and you just have a recipe for disliking them. So on top of everything else, there's suddenly insufferable fan base, which I would argue, so, I mean, nobody really understood what the Cleveland fan base would be like because, well, Cleveland has been shit for the better part of a half century until this year. But 
Now that you've gotten to see what Cleveland is like when they actually win something, I put them right in the same category as Boston fans. But the thing is, Boston fans have shown you their ass repeatedly because all they do is seemingly win every couple of years. Every couple of years, a Boston team wins something. Hell, this year, there's a pretty good chance a Boston team is going to win the Super Bowl again because Tom Brady's a freak of nature. And those Boston fans are not exactly the easiest to deal with. They're a pretty insufferable lot themselves, no matter what the situation. So Cleveland is right there in Boston territory because they let any and everyone know that they want a championship. And they want a championship from coming back from down 3-1. As if people were going to forget the multitude of years between the drive and the fumble and the shot and Jose Mesa. Are we going to really forget all this? And the Willie Mays catch and Jim Brown quitting in his prime. And the Browns getting up and leaving and going to Baltimore. Let, let's not act like, hell, the Browns are 0-8 right now. They are really seriously challenging the Lions to become the second team on that Mount Rushmore of suck to go 0-16. And as the weeks go on, I find myself rooting hard for that to happen. Cleveland, when you pile all that together and then you just put the toothpick with Chief Wahoo's racist, smiling, red face staring at you, it made it pretty easy for me to rally behind the Chicago Cubs. Hell, I don't even care for the Toronto Blue Jays. I was hoping Toronto put up a fight. I don't care much for the Red Sox. I was hoping the Red Sox knocked them off. When Cleveland gets up 3-1 in the World Series, they won the first game, lost the second, won the next two, games three and four, game three in Wrigley, the first World Series game in Wrigley in 71 years. Game ends 1-0. The following game, the following night, 7-2, cruising, up three games to one. And I joke to myself, hell, wouldn't it be something if after all the slander and all the, all the chest bumping and all the gum bumping that that team gags away a 3-1 lead? Because the last thing I need to see are a bunch of jagoffs wearing headdresses and dressed up in red face, being as racist as ever, celebrating a championship parade for a city that honestly may not fully deserve it. Well, that's when Game 5 happened. The Tribe took a one nothing lead in Game 5, and when Chris Bryant hit that home run and tied it, they never led again in the series. They never led again. They tied it a couple of times, but they never led again. The Cubs end up winning 3-2 in Game 5, ran them off the field in Game 6, and we all know what happened in Game 7. It was one for the friggin' ages. And when we get to Game 7, after the Tribe has pretty much gotten everybody's butt cheeks all tightened up because now it's Game 7 of the World Series, you were up 3-1, you had a lead in Game 5, and it got away from you. Now you're staring down the barrel of a Game 7. Half your damn stadium is Cubs fans. And people were tweeting all during the game that, why are there so many Cubs fans there? Every time the Cubs get a hit, half the crowd, the crowd's going crazy. Why are there so many Cubs fans there? Here's a little secret. The Cleveland Indian fans aren't the best fan base in the world either. They don't show up for that team. What you saw those four games in Cleveland with all those Cubs fans taking over is something that I've been seeing for years when the Tigers go into Cleveland. Because more often than not, we'll take over Jacobs Field. I've, it's not uncommon to hear very loud let's go Tigers chants, especially in the years when the Tigers were waxing the Indians' ass 
for the Cubs to do it in a World Series setting, it might be a little off-putting to people who don't follow the Indians or follow the AL Central. For those of us, it's like the Tiger fans do it. The White Sox fans do it. Last year, the Royals fans were taking that building over. When the Twins were good, the Twins fans took that place over. When they play the Reds, half the Reds fans take it over. When they play the Pirates, all those Pirate fans come streaming across from Western PA right into Cleveland and take the building over. It's what happens at Game 7. That's that's what goes on. That's what they do, man. That's how it works. So we look up in the stands during Game 7, and here are a lot of the Cleveland Cavalier players, including one LeBron Uglacius James. LeBron James, who once showed up at a Cleveland Indians playoff game in 2007 wearing Yankee gear, New York Yankee gear, proudly waving his Yankee hat in front of the Indian fans. Mr. Cleveland, Mr. I'ma bring a title back to the land, waving around Yankee gear, antagonizing those people in Cleveland. Now last night, now in game seven, he's up in his luxury box, no longer sitting in the stands. He's now in his luxury box being the world's biggest cheerleader with, I'm guessing, J.R. Smith, who might have been five or six sheets to the wind at this point, snatching off his shirt. And when Rajay Davis, Rajay friggin' Davis, who for two years in Detroit, he didn't do much, but what he did do was hit left-handed pitching. And when Rajay Davis hits that home run in the eighth inning, you got LeBron jumping up and down and flexing in this god-awful Cleveland or nowhere shirt. Cleveland or nowhere? Really? Look, man, I'm not the biggest fan of the Detroit versus everybody shirts. I think it just screams inferiority complex when you wear shirts like that. But if it came down to it, I would buy a whole closet full of Detroit versus everybody shirts before my ass ever puts on some dumb shit like Cleveland or nowhere. But he's up there flexing in these shirts and going nuts, and the whole place is going crazy. They've tied this game, then the rain delay happens, and then the Cubs win. And just to hear the air deflate out of that building, it's so lovely. And the slander on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook and on Tumblr and in the streets was just flowing. Because somehow, as GQ put it, the city of Cleveland managed to take all of the goodwill that they had from winning an NBA championship, their first one in 54 years. They managed to take all that goodwill, all that karma, and somehow manage to blow an opportunity at a second championship the one that they really want in Cleveland by the way they really want that World Series in Cleveland they want that World Series in Cleveland the way that we in Detroit want the Super Bowl the way that the cats out here in Philadelphia want a Super Bowl in Cleveland they want that World Series they do and to gag it away in the fashion that they did, considering the Cavs won an NBA title, but then spent the next five months gloating about the way they won the NBA title. Hell, two days prior to Game 7, you got LeBron James hosting a Halloween party, trolling the hell out of the Golden State Warriors for the 3-1 lead. Well, you know who chimed in just as that game ended, as the Cubs are dancing on the Indians' grave. Draymond Green, the guy whose cheap shot may have single-handedly kept the city of Cleveland from having one of the most brutal sports years of all time, chimed in with a simple phrase on Twitter, man, three games to one sucks. It does, doesn't it, Cleveland? Because to be perfectly honest with you, I have zero, zero sympathy for you. You managed 
in what should be the greatest year ever for Cleveland sports to remind the world that you're still Cleveland. Seriously, what other place could get the entire country behind them in June and have them dancing on their grave by November? Help me out here. Help me. You come back from 3-1, you got the whole damn world behind you. By November, people are laughing at you again. Why? Because you're Cleveland. It was cute. It was fun. You're still Cleveland. My name is Jay Scott Smith. Telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. One last thing before I go. We will be back on Monday. I normally don't put a day out there when I'm going to be back here. This show will be back on Monday with a special pre-election comment that I have to get out there for y'all before Election Day next Tuesday because next week is going to be insane around here. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next Monday for JSC Radio. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I'm Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. I think it's very important that we use our voice. Living in America, that's one of the things that's great about this country is freedom of speech. Using your voice, using your platform to reach others. Voting is a right and a responsibility. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to your country, you owe it to those that came before you and those that will come after you to once again make your voices heard and get out and vote. Speaking out is important. Using your voice is important just as I use mine. Rock the Vote on November 8th. Visit rockthevote.com for more information on getting registered to vote in your area.